Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Voices of Forestry podcast. I'm your host, Seth Stevenson, the Communications Coordinator with the Arkansas Forestry Association. And today, we are back with yet another Voice of Forestry to join me here in the studio, aka conference room, of the Arkansas Forestry Association. But before we introduce who they are, I want to give a special shout out and thank you to our sponsors this month, Potlatch Deltic. We're going to hear a little bit more from them later on in this episode. But for now, let me introduce my guest, Ashley Cribb. She is the Vice President of Wood Products with Potlatch Deltic. She joins us today to, dis- to discuss sawmills. So, Ashley, thank you for joining me. Well, Seth, thank you for having me here today. It's great to meet you and great to be here in person. Absolutely. So. And, and to be honest, when we were talking, I wasn't expecting you to come all the way to Arkansas because you're not an Arkansas native um but but we appreciate you making the journey we're able to kind of match up our schedules pretty good that's right i'm a georgia native but i live in spokane washington right now awesome awesome well ashley i tell you what before we get going into our actual topic this month um if you could just provide the folks we like to start with kind of a background of who our guest is especially if they're new so can you just tell the people who who you are and how you got to be where you are today Sure. So as I mentioned, I grew up in Georgia and I eventually went to work in 2008 for Georgia Pacific in their wood, chem- their wood products division in the chemicals business. And in that role, we were manufacturing uh, wood adhesives that go into things like plywood and LVL and OSB and MDF. And I stayed with them until about 2016. And then in 2017, I went to work for Roseburg Forest Products, and I relocated to Oregon. And that was my first time working in uh, the lumber area. And in 2021, I came to work for Potlatch Deltic as their VP of Wood Products. And I have responsibility for um, six lumber mills and one plywood mill. Okay, wow. And and now, I guess, too... I can't remember if we've spoken to someone with Polish Deltic or not, but can you give us just a brief history of the company as well? Sure. Well, the company is 120 years old this year, and it started out as Potlatch Mm -hmm. in Idaho, and they had a lumber mill there. They had some timber, and then over time, they grew, and they made acquisitions, and eventually, they ended up owning some things in Arkansas, and in 2006, they converted from a C corporation into what we are now, which is a real estate investment trust. And in 2008, they divested their pulp businesses, which included a paper mill here in Arkansas, that's Mm -hmm. the Clearwater paper mill. And then in 2018, we merged with Deltic, who was based in El Dorado. And that gave us two additional lumber mills and quite a bit of additional timberland in Arkansas. And at that time, we changed our name to Potlatch Deltic. And then in 2022, this past fall, Mm -hmm. we merged with Catchmark Timber. They were based in Atlanta. And with that acquisition, our timberlands are now about 2.2 million acres. And of that, we have almost 1 million acres of timberland here in Arkansas. And then we have three lumber mills here. Wow. Now, I knew you guys were a big big player here in the Arkansas forestry industry. Um, and I think 
I started here when that pot, when that Deltic and Potlatch merger had either just happened or, or was about to happen. So that was kind of the big buzz uh, with some of our members at that time. Um, but no, I mean, this, this is a great example just to kind of prove why, why you're such an excellent person to talk about what we're here to talk about today, which is sawmills, um, a topic we haven't really touched on yet. So this is going to be great. If you could, Ashley, um, I know there's probably a whole lot to an actual sawmill operation. Absolutely. But let's try, if you can, condense that down and just let's talk about, I guess, what happens at a sawmill from product in to product out. How does that whole process work? Sure, Seth. So it's really an interesting process, and it is quite technical. So I'm going to try to simplify it a little bit today. Thank you. <laughs> I need <laughs> yeah. the simplification. <laughs> so one of the most important things we have to have is the timber. So the mm -hmm. logs, um, we bring those into the log processing yard. And a larger mill, you know, they might bring in 150 trucks a day of logs to process. So it's a lot of, you know, timber mm -hmm. moving into these facilities. Then the mill will select out of that, the logs that they want to process for the day. And there are different ways to do that. Um, but once that log is placed into, it's called the infeed deck, mm -hmm. then it goes through what's called a log merchandising process. And the purpose of that is to really figure out how do you want to cut the log or how do you want to optimize the log because it's going to have different diameters and different lengths. Mm -hmm. Now, our, our Arkansas mills, the ones there in Ola, Waldo, and Warren, we buy tree length logs and then we remove the bark with a debarker and then the logs are scanned to fi figure out the length and diameter and then we're going to cut them or we call it bucking mm -hmm. to find out um, we'll cut them into shorter segments so they can actually be processed through the mill and then we want to also look at how do we get the most value out of that log and really get the most, we call it recovery. Mm -hmm. And recovery is a measurement of how much of the log actually gets turned into lumber. And then after that log is merchandised into these segments, we scan it again. And what we're doing there is we're looking for shape and defects. And then the goal is to convert as much of that log into lumber. So we have very sophisticated software that will provide an optimized sawing solution for every log. And in most mills, you know, the wood that we're not able to convert into lumber mm -hmm. is actually going to become a chip or a residual. And sometimes you'll see those driving along the road and they're being sold to other, um, to like a pulp mill or to other wood product manufacturing facilities. Okay. Um, yeah, so that's kind of the first part of it. And some of those residuals actually get put back into the mill for drying. Awesome. No, if, if you don't mind, before we hop into the next step, mm -hmm. so for, for, I know you can't speak to every company or every sawmill, but for the ones that you guys own and operate, are you sourcing the wood that comes in? Obviously you're getting it from your land, but do you source that from private landowners as well? Or is it strictly potlatch deltic? We, we source it from a variety of sources. Of course we do source from our own timberlands when it makes sense mm -hmm. and when it's logistically the right thing to do. But we also, I have a, um, full-time procurement forestry staff on my team and they will look for a gatewood or other purchases that we can make in the local area okay. and so we do both awesome awesome cool so yeah lumber's in yeah you guys have, have, have cut it and uh is, is that the process is that the process in a nutshell or is there more no nope, there's that? more so okay. all we, we've got it ready to go through what's called the primary breakdown unit mm -hmm. and so when it goes through the primary breakdown unit you basically are taking that round log and you're making it into a basically a square or maybe it might be a little rectangular but it's called a cant mm -hmm. so that first step just kind of chips away 
kind of the excess wood to make it more square than round. And then after that, it goes um, through more saws. And they, remember, I told you it gets optimized. Mm-hmm. There's yeah. a solution. So then in these next set of saws, it actually will cut these rough boards matching that solution that that software came up with. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And then once you get the rough boards, they're still green. So they have to, you know, they get trimmed so they're the right size. And then they go into a sorter and they get stacked. And it's a batch process, right? So once it gets out of the sawmill, we have to put it in the kilns. Mm-hmm. And the kilns, there's different kinds of kilns, but that's where we heat the wood and we dry it um, so that it's ready to get planed. Okay. And then after planing, that's when we make it smooth and get it just to right, the right size that everybody wants. And it gets sorted again. We pack, package it up into the nice bundles that you'll see, mm-hmm. and then we get ready to ship it. Okay. All right. Just a super simple process, lumber in, run it through all these machines. Yeah, <laughs> Just yeah. very super easy simple. and simple, right? No, um, no. Yeah. okay, well, that's 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 great. Um, so you, you said that you're using sophisticated software to come up with these solutions. How, that, that obviously could not have been the case, you know, 30, 40, 50 years ago, because right. this is, again, by no means a new <laughs> way of doing things or of cutting timber. So how has technology changed from... 30, 40, 50 years ago to today, what are some of the key differences now? Sure. So one of the biggest shifts is that the decision-making about how to cut the log Mm -hmm. and how to make the product has shifted from uh, a person to basically computerized software, Mm -hmm. optimization software. And even as recent, you know, as, and and even at some mills, um, there's still grading lumber using, um, the human eye Mm -hmm. but in our mills we have automated grading systems and those are high uh, performance cameras that can grade that lumber faster than any human eye so that's a very big change Mm -hmm. and some of those grading systems have even incorporated artificial intelligence so you end up with an even better solution even better product for the customer and I think, too, real quick, that we should probably touch on this grading process for a second, mm-hmm. if you don't mind. This yes. is a very important step because how, how, the, how the timber is coming into the mill could drastically affect the final product, correct? Yes, that's right. There's, you know, there's natural defects that come in logs. Mm-hmm. So, you know, where you have knots or where you have what's called wane or different other kinds of defects that uh, are in the, in the lumber after mm-hmm. it's been sawn. And historically, there were lumber graders that they were highly certified. You know, they were very, uh, they're a very special set of um, sawmillers that know how to grade and visually look at that lumber. Mm-hmm. Uh, as the software has come into play, we still have graders at the mill that make sure that it's still working properly. And then we are actually certified um, by a third party grading company. A, a grading agency like mm-hmm. the Southern Pine Inspection Bureau. And then we make sure we're having, uh, that it meets all the requirements for that grade. Okay. All right. Awesome. And so you guys still, I mean, this is again, probably a dumb question, but I'm going to ask it anyways. Uh, with all the sophisticated technology that you guys have, you guys still have warm bodies in the facility, still doing things, still grading a little bit. Um, so I guess, Let's kind of talk about that. What are some of the employees that you guys, specifically Potlatch Deltic, since that's where your experience lies, what, what's some of the types of employees that you're looking for to bring in to help work some of these uh, 
again, super simple, super simple <laughs> things at the, at the summit. It's a lot more sophisticated than most people yeah. realize. <laughs> yeah, there's yeah. a lot of technology. And, you know, there's been automation throughout the mill to try to um, put less uh, demand on the workers. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's still a very physical operation. But if you think about the past, it was a lot more physical. Mm -hmm. And now the advances in sawmilling, you know, mean that we need team members who are interested in working with the technology. You know, it's a high-paced environment. Um, we want the team members to understand the process. They have to interact with the machines. They have to understand how things work together. What you do at the beginning of the process heavily influences what comes at the end of the process. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's much more about understanding how things work together and using those mental skills than necessarily using physical skills. I was at one of our mills and met one of our newer operators. I think he'd been there about three weeks, and he was sitting in one of the control booths. And I asked him about what he was doing and if he liked his job. And he said, you know, in my spare time, my hobby is mixing music. Mm -hmm. And this is kind of like that. You know, I'm getting to kind of get how everything works together. And I'd never thought of that. And I thought that was a pretty cool way. So we need people who are willing to engage with that technology and enjoy it. That I've never heard of it being described like that, but I understand it in in a sense because, you know, even just walking through, there's so many noises and so many things happening, but they all are working together in this weird harmony to create this, this product that you guys. Yeah, absolutely. And another thing that is critical is that our team members, um, that they work safely. Mm -hmm. There's a really high expectation around safety, even with all of the automation and getting people to have less hands-on the lumber, there's still a lot going on in these facilities. So we provide a lot of training and resources for our team to make sure that they know how to operate safe and that we're compliant and that we're doing the right things we need to do. Um, And then we, we also have a need for skilled trade positions. You know, we need millwrights, we need electricians, we need people that are skilled in process control. Mm -hmm. And those are all critical because this equipment has a high level of, uh, you have to care for it, Mm -hmm. you know, just like your car, anything you, you deal with, you've got to put the time into it so that it runs efficiently and uh, that it runs without breaking down. Because yeah, even the smallest breakdown, I'm assuming for you guys could be pretty devastating on the whole process. You're talking about working in harmony with each other. You Mm -hmm. know, if there's a little hiccup, that's going to affect everything else down the line. Yeah, it absolutely can. I mean, you do have, you know, a little bit of division um, between the sawmill, the kilns, and the planer. Mm-hmm. But if your sawmill goes down, you you won't be down very long before you don't have enough wood to put in the kiln mm-hmm. and so and so so on. Or if your planer goes down, you don't have enough wood to ship. So you do have to really take care of that equipment. Okay. All right. Well, Ashley, I'll tell you what, we're going to take a quick pause right here, uh, and we're going to hear a little bit more from our sponsors this month, Potlatch Deltic. At Potlatch Deltic, we know Arkansas, our forest, our land, and our people. We are here in Arkansas every day, sustainably managing timberland, producing lumber, developing Chanel properties, neighborhoods, and selling recreational real estate. If you're interested in having a place of your own for hunting, hiking, fishing, or just relaxing, visit our website at potlatchdelticlandsales.com. 
you once again to our sponsors this month, Potlatch Deltic. So, Ashley, we, we were talking about kind of what type of employee that you guys look for to man some of the stations at this at, at, at Mills. But what are some of the challenges that you guys are facing to even fill those positions? I know there's a lot of folks in the forestry industry uh, in all facets of it that are just trying to find people, warm bodies, essentially, to be in that position. But what are some of the challenges that you're facing to fill those positions at a sawmill? It definitely has been challenging over the past few years to find uh, both operators and maintenance positions. Our recruiting teams, they do a great job. They come in, they work with the local communities. We work with technical schools. We work with the community colleges. And we also even, we'll spend time at the high schools talking to people about what we do Mm -hmm. so that they see it as an option. I think sometimes there are misconceptions about what it's like to work in a lumber mill. And we want to change those misconceptions. We want people to give it a try. And as I mentioned, you know, we spend a lot of time training our team members. You don't have to understand it when you get there. Now, skilled trade's a little different. But if you want to come in and work as an operator, we're going to give you that training. And if you come as an operator and you want to become a skilled tradesperson, we'll help you with that. We will give you support to be able to get the training you need to grow in your career. And you can have a career. I've got managers that work for me that have started as, you know, utility workers, Mm -hmm. you know, sweeping the floor and they've worked up to mill manager. So there's just a lot of opportunity if you're interested. And our mills, you know, we are focused on operating safely and giving our team members the opportunity to grow and to make an impact on our business. Okay. Um, So I guess a lot of these mills, too, are in smaller communities, correct? You said here in Arkansas there's one in Ola and Mm -hmm. there are two others. Warren and and Waldo. Okay, so those are pretty small communities. Mm -hmm. I'm familiar with Warren and and Ola. Um, So I guess how... How important are these facilities to these small communities? Because, I mean, they're a big part of the workforce there in, in some small communities. But how important are they to places like Ola, Waldo, and Warren? Yes, they are very important because we're providing, you know, jobs with excellent wages, with health care benefits, retirement benefits. You know, we're going to match the 401k. And then we, we give the training, like I've talked about. We're giving them the opportunity to, to grow and to have a career. And then there's a secondary effect because our team members put money back into that local economy, as, as we do. We purchase from local vendors. We, you know, we will order our lunches from the local restaurants. Um, there's just all these ways that the money we're putting into that community through that mill flow back in and, and make everybody's life better. Okay. And um, as we start to wrap up here, Ashley, uh, kind of, we've talked about kind of the workforce and the, how, how it all works, the process, if you will. Um, but what exactly, when we're talking about sawmills, what exactly are some of the products that we're talking about that we as, as consumers use every day? Right. So the main thing's going to be the lumber that mm-hmm. you get when you go to Home Depot or Lowe's, um, you know, that you're used. There's different kinds of lumber, mm-hmm. but that's one of the primary. And that's used in both new construction and repair and remodeling. If you think about what happened over the past few years when everybody decided they wanted to go mm-hmm. remodel part of their house, mm-hmm. there was a lot of demand for that lumber. You know, some of that lumber gets treated and it goes into products like decking or railroad ties. Um, but We also, I mentioned earlier that we produce these wood residuals Mm -hmm. 
And those are important because they go back into paper mills producing household products like tissue and toilet paper. And wood residuals are also used in products like MDF and particle board that go into cabinetry and furniture. So you can see that what we're doing touches so many different parts of our lives. So we may not necessarily see the chips or or the residuals, (laughs) but we're using them whether we know it or not in other products. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, Ashley, final question here is, again, we wrap up. Um, But let's talk a little bit about some of the factors that drive the success of the lumber manufacturing sector as a whole. Mm -hmm. So what are some of those different factors that you guys are constantly looking at to make sure you can stay successful? We certainly have to have our right to operate, right? Mm -hmm. I talked about the fact that for us to be successful, we have to operate safe, compliant, and efficient mills. And that's how we stay relevant and we're able to have that right. And we have to have team members to operate the mills. So we need to have people that want to come work at the mills and learn and grow. But there's also something really important is we've got to have access to timberlands. Mm -hmm. And without the logs, we cannot produce the lumber. So we need a consistent supply of wood for our mills. And going hand in hand with that is we've got to have transportation. We've got to have people who want to go out and log those trees who are willing to haul it from the uh, the log decks to the plants. We've got to have people who are willing to drive the trucks. We've got to have railroad that comes in and, and moves our end product. Mm-hmm. So all of that is so critical to being able to be successful with a lumber mill. And I think transportation is something that people may not necessarily think about about you know mm-hmm. when when thinking about creating lumber and getting them from one put from the forest to the mill is there's a whole lot that goes along with just the transportation of the dang thing um so yeah that's yes. i know that we've there's been some issues in a couple of different states um with transportation so that is that is a key part of what you guys are doing Absolutely. And, you know, Arkansas really is a great state for growing timber and providing the supply of wood we need to make the products that are essential for our lives. All right. Well, Ashley, is there anything else you want to say or you want to add before we kind of wrap this up? I just want to thank you for having me in today. Yeah, it's been great. Thank you. Good. I'm glad you enjoyed it (laughs) because I'd hate for you to make this long flight over to Arkansas. I know you've probably got other business, but uh, it'd be a heck of a way to start uh start your journey here in arkansas with a bad podcast recording so thank you for joining me today. <laughs> always glad to be here thank awesome, you seth awesome and we want to thank you guys for listening this month as well um we want to give a special shout out one more time to our sponsors this month potlatch delta thank you to them for their support their continued support of the show and we want to also give a special shout out and thank you to some guy named rob slash rob mccormick for the use of our theme song the same love that's off of his album the folkster you can find more of his music on spotify and as always we'll have a link to his website so you can see what he's been up to lately in the music world and we want to thank you guys for joining us one more time make sure you join us next month when we'll have a new topic a new discussion and a new voice of forestry 